Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. I am continuing on with a word about us trusting in the process. I did a trust the process part one. This is trust the process part two. If you did not have an opportunity to listen to trust the process part one, it is out on iTunes podcast. And I would highly recommend you go take a listen. You can find it under Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm going to recap briefly a little bit of it and then jump right into part two. But there's a lot more to Trust the Process Part One that I would love you to go back and take a listen to. And so we have to trust in the process, which we all say, oh yeah, we know when we're being refined in the fire of the Lord. But when we're in the middle of being processed, it's a little harder to trust. If we can stop ourselves in the middle of it and say, I'm going to trust that there's purpose to what I'm going through. There's always purpose to what we're going through, whether God intended it or not. In other words, if we're going through something because of natural consequences of choices we've made in our own lives, That's not something God intended, but if we let him, he'll use it for our advantage, for our benefit, for our good. And so it's tough to trust because the truth is we're concerned with what the outcome will be. And this is something I mentioned in part one. We're trying to work the processing to produce the outcome we want. And a lot of times we try to hurry that process along. We want the outcome we want, and that's the truth. And it's maturity and it's faith and it's trust to say, I yield in the middle of the process to whatever outcome you're desiring to produce. Every process has a purpose that is trying to produce a promise in our life. And this right here is what it's all about. Every process has a purpose that is trying to produce a promise in our life. It's all about this. It's all about it. Trust produces faith, which produces the ability, the strength, the endurance to not waver. And this is something I talked about in part one. It's tough to not see around the corner. We don't like not knowing what's coming. And this is something, uh, an example I gave. 
in our lives, our personal lives, we don't have the same warning we have as when we're out driving a car. When we're out driving and there's going to be a sharp corner, there's going to be an unexpected turn, there's a bend in the road that we can't see what's beyond that, we have a warning to yield. We have a warning to slow down. We have a warning, sharp curves ahead. But in our personal lives, we don't have that same warning. But nevertheless, when we realize we're in the bend, we've got to take our foot off the gas. We've got to. We don't panic. We don't slam on the brakes. We don't stop. But we certainly don't accelerate either. The safest choice is to let your foot off the gas and handle the bend and trust. This is where peace that passes all understanding steps in, in our spiritual lives. When we don't understand, we didn't see that bend. It's a sharp curve. A lot of times we want to put our foot on the spiritual gas pedal and accelerate through that as soon as we can and get to the other side. That is dangerous. Other responses are we want to slam on the brakes because this was unexpected. This is too sharp. Something's going to take place. We don't know. We're afraid. We get fearful for a moment. And that's also dangerous. Instead, when we're taking the sharp curve, when we're going around the bend we didn't expect, we just let our foot off the gas and we say in our heart to the Lord, I don't know why. There's nothing wrong with being honest and transparent with God. This is what he desires most from us. Yes, he wants to hear us say, I love you no matter what. He wants to hear us say, I praise you in the storm. He wants to hear us say, I trust you. I have faith. I believe you're all I need. Of course. But he also wants us to be honest and say, I don't get it. I don't see the purpose. I don't understand why. I'm hurting right now. See, the thing about King David, and we're going to get to him, is that it was about his heart, his honesty, his transparency, and his repentance before the Lord on a regular basis. King David was not perfected, but what he did want to do was always obey God, always. In the moment he had an awareness that he had not yielded his heart to the Lord, he was grieved. Are we grieved when we realize we've been in disobedience to the Lord? Or do we shrug our shoulders and say, thank God for grace and carry on like it was no big deal? Imagine if we did that in our personal relationships with people here on the earth. We really and truly need to give God the same respect we give the people in our lives that we see face to face every day. We need to honor our relationship with God as much as we honor our relationship with our spouses, with our children, with our parents, with our friendships. God deserves that level of respect and honoring and consideration 
at a minimum, at a minimum. So when we're being processed, it's okay to say, I don't know why, but I am going to trust you. And I'm going to trust that you know better than I understand. I have cried out to God many times, I don't understand. I don't understand. But I'm not backing up. I'm not forcing my way through. I'm taking my foot off the gas and I'm going to obey you. Even if it means do nothing. God is pulling out purpose in us that can bring forth the promise that can only come through the process. I really don't want you to miss what I just said there. God is pulling out purpose in us that can bring forth the promise that can only come through the process. How you trust during this matters. How we trust when God is pulling out purpose in us, how we trust when God is trying to bring forth the promise in us, how we trust when all that can only come through the process, how we trust during that, it shows God how much he can trust you. Did you think about that? How you respond in situations of strain, how you respond in situations of concern, worry, turmoil, I don't know, heartache. Uh, I, I, I'm not, not, not sure of any other words. Um, anxiety, something you're anxious about. How you respond in those situations shows God how much he can trust you. Do you overreact or do you step back and say, let me seek God on the truth? Because there's always a truth from the Lord on every situation we encounter, always. Each step, each step in our life is ordered by the Lord. And this is the truth. You got to go through some stuff to get to some stuff. I don't want you to miss that one. You got to go through some stuff to get to some stuff. Our yielded hearts bring forth purpose that God has placed in us. What do we do? What do you do? I can't answer for you. This is, I'm asking you so you can ask yourself. I'm not asking you trying to point out condemnation to you. I'm asking you so you self-reflect in your own heart and ask yourself. So what do you do when you've had to wait twice as long as you thought you were gonna have to wait? Three times, four times. What do you do when it's way more difficult than you expected? Do you run to the bosom of God? Do you rest in the gentleness and peace of God when it's not as you expected, when it's taking twice 
as long. What do we do? What do you do? How do you respond? How you respond is the Lord showing you where you're at. And he's trying to bring you to a place that he can have a greater trust in you so that the promises can flow out of you. I want to talk about King David before he was King David. First of all, why did Saul ever replace David? Why did that ever take place? Because we know Saul was anointed and appointed by the Lord, but now he's being removed. All the way in 1 Samuel 16, that's where David ends up being anointed as king. And basically, the truth of the matter is with Saul, he could not trust the process. When he was in moments of refining, he became more concerned about the people around him than what the Lord was doing in him. He was a leader and he had to protect his image. And his image, his reputation mattered more than anything else. His reputation, his image, what other people might think and might say and might do mattered more than obeying the Lord, mattered more than listening and following the directive of the Lord, how and when the Lord said to do it. And when we get to that place, God cannot trust us. And he has to use somebody else for the purpose he had us for. Saul could not trust the process. And God rejects Saul and he has to appoint a new king. And so God calls David out through the prophet Samuel. This is all in 1 Samuel 16. It was all directed by God and in God's timing, which is interesting because David wasn't quite ready yet to be king, but yet it's being spoken out in the airways at this point. It's being announced in front of his father, in front of all the people, in front of all of David's brothers, David's tending sheep. He's called in, and I'm paraphrasing 1 Samuel 16, He's called in from the field when his own father didn't even possibly think he might be the one. But he gets called in. He's anointed. God whispers into Samuel's ear, this is him. Right, let me find the, let me find the verse here. In, in 1 Samuel 16, all the brothers have gone by. The Lord says to Samuel, arise, anoint him. This is he. Do you know God says that about you for a particular purpose? This is the one. Arise, anoint him, anoint her. This is the one. Say that. I'm the one. I'm the one. Don't miss your purpose. Don't miss the promises God desires to pull out of you through the process and perform through you after the process, even during the process sometimes. We'll see that with King David. The man was not perfect. I'm not talking about being perfect before you can be used. I'm just talking about your heart being rendered before the Lord in humility to be used. Because after all of this, after the 
the horn is filled with oil and David is anointed by the prophet Samuel. After all that takes place, David heads back to the sheep. <laughs> right? God speaks a word through the prophet Samuel announcing before all and into the airways David's destiny. And then seemingly intentionally David is sent backwards pushed away from the very thing that God just said he was going to be kind of odd we can't understand it in our normal realm of thinking pretty interesting here but the truth is king David as David as boy David <laughs> had to go through some training, some processing, some refining that he probably never would have endured had he not been brought before his father and his older brothers and all the people and the anointing announced over him. That brought on some stuff. That brought forth some jealousy big time. And it also uh, alerted the enemy to who David really was. And God knew that David needed this refining in his life. Now, now that all this has taken place in the timing of God, David, like all of us, would be tested over a period of time to produce the strength that David would need for his calling. And it's the same with us. We are tested over a period of time to produce the strength that we will need to walk in our calling. 15 years go by from the time of the anointing by Samuel to David actually stepping in as king. 15 years this processing takes. I mean, he's anointed before his brothers who mock him, who think he's ridiculous and he can only tend to the sheep. This was a long, long 15 years for David. And initially, interestingly, his initial encounter with Saul is that he's brought in from the sheep again because Saul is tormented by evil spirits and he needs some peace. And David, who is going to be his very replacement, is brought into his life to bring peace. And even though David provides peace to Saul, Saul is vindictive and jealous and hateful toward David. Even though he brings peace to his life, even though he's a help to him, David comes to Saul and serves him. That's pretty powerful. And then then David's back out with the sheep again. <laughs> you know, he keeps going back because God's got more work to do in him to prepare him. Now we've got Goliath who shows up. And Jesse has sent David to check on his brothers who are out there battling the Philistines. And David sees this 
mighty Philistine mocking the Israelites, mocking them. And he doesn't understand how this can be taken place. Now he's had his training in the field, right? Because he's done the lion and the bear. So he's, he's getting more. Years are passing and he's getting more training. Some in, really interesting stuff takes place here. David, in, at this point in his life, is going back and forth from Saul and bringing Saul peace when he's tormented by evil spirits to tending his father's sheep. But yet he's going to be king, and it's already, this has already been spoken out. And so, like I said, Jesse sends him to David. David sees the, all the stuff going on with Goliath. And David says to some man standing by, he's just simply asking a question. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Because this is the thing. David was not trying to promote himself at this point. He's more concerned about the reproach on Israel. And that's what he's looking to defend here. He's not looking to exalt himself. He's not looking to rise himself up to a greater level. He's concerned about the reproach on Israel. And so the men tell him, and Eliab, his oldest brother, gets all angry and irritated about this. And he's sarcastic. I mean, you can just imagine the most spiteful, irritated sarcasm possible when he's asking this question. Why did you come here? Now he's mocking him. With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? David's like, what have I done now? Like, leave me alone. But he asks him that. Was it not a harmless question? And David turns away from Eliab. He's not going, don't deal with it. Don't deal with the people over here that are mocking you. Don't get into the stuff you don't need to get into. And so David asks another. And so finally, his question reaches Saul. I'm in 1 Samuel 17 here. And David says to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of this Philistine. Your servant, meaning me, will go up and fight with him. And Saul's like, are you kidding? You are not able to go fight against him. You're only a boy. You're an adolescent. And he, Goliath, has been a warrior since his youth. David says to Saul, oh, I've kept, I've kept the sheep. And when a lion came, I took it out. When a bear came, I took it out. I went after it. I smote it. And I delivered the lamb out of its mouth. I can handle this, in other words. I have some experience. While you thought I was just out there doing nothing, tending sheep. Oh, I was gaining wisdom. I was gaining understanding. I was gaining revelation. Are you hearing me? Do you get this? You might look like it's nothing, to other people, but you're gaining in the Lord. I promise you that. Trust the process. You're gaining. And then Saul even, you know, David's trying to do this in the right way, going to the leadership. Saul wants him to just wear his armor. Why? So he can take some of the credit? We don't know. It's never shown. But we do know he does it. No, I can't wear that. I'm sorry. That's not going to work for me. It's going, your armor is going to weigh me down. Not that your armor is bad for you, but it's not for me. It's not for me. I've got to fight in what the Lord's equipped me to fight in. I've got to fight where my training and my experience, he trains our hands for war, different battles, different purposes. 
And as all David says to Goliath, as I come to you in the name of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, whom you have defied, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will smite you and cut off your head. And he had victory in this area. Everybody thought he was crazy, but he had victory, complete victory. Everything David went through was about preparation and change. Everything. He was anointed. He was sent back to the fields. He was brought in to play the hop. He was sent back to the fields. He was brought out to to kill Goliath. Unknown to even his father who was sending him to his destiny without that intent. Don't miss that. Jesse's like just sending him to bring some food and check on the brothers. But he's actually sending him to destiny. Something shifts in the atmosphere when God speaks for a mouthpiece into the atmosphere. The process begins, and that's what happened when Samuel anointed David. It brings us to a place we need to be brought to, to walk in what we already carry. See, the process begins to change us, and that change begins to bring us to a place we need to be brought to walk in what we already carry. God knew the day David was anointed, actually, even when he was sending Samuel to Jesse, he he said one of Jesse's sons, he already knew who it was going to be. He already knew everything that David carried, even before David was birthed out, right? Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. He knows for each of us, and he knows what kind of process Each of us are going, you can't even compare processes. He knows the process needed for the change that's necessary to walk in what we already carry, you and me individually, to do a corporate work. God already knew that David had a heart after him, but something's needed to be broken in him, just like each of us. Things need to change in our lives, even though we have the heart God's looking for with regard to the purpose he desires to be pulled out of each one of us. Even though we have the heart he's looking for, change has got to be done in our lives. If we can trust the process to bring forth change and purpose he's looking for, then the promises will be produced in our lives of destiny, of purpose being fulfilled. There's a point to your process. And I just want to remind you to trust in it. God has you. God has me. And we may have a lot of whys in our life and we may not understand, but one thing God will bring each of us to a place of before the promise is produced is that his will, the nevertheless in our hearts, his will is more important than our reputation, than what people think of us, than even our own egos. Will we say all is well, all is safe in God's hands, regardless, trust the training ground, which is the process Because if we're yielded to it, God will keep his portion. I promise you that. He'll keep his promise. It is in, and I want to end with this. Because one day David was finally made king. But it was a long, long, long 15 years of being processed. 
But it says in Psalms 105, verse 19, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. And that's not even actually, that Psalm is not even actually talking about King David. It's actually talking about Joseph, which is a whole nother story of being processed. A whole nother story of God showing years and years and years before, releasing a destiny, releasing an anointing, and starting the initiation of the process to bring forth the change that will, that will bring us to the place we need to be, we need to be, to walk out what we already carry. It's not easy. But if we will truly rely on and trust in and not waver in our faith in God, we will extraordinarily step into the promises and the fulfillment of the destiny that God purposed us for.